Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back, and we are live on Thanksgiving Eve, 6th and Peabody. Look around. Yeehaw beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're here as well. A loaded show today. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com talks all things SEC. That's in 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. Armando Salguero, also of Outkick, previews the NFL weekend, Thanksgiving Day games, and much more in Week 12. That'll be an hour number two. Uh, plus, former Alabama running back Kenneth Darby on today's show to preview the Iron Bowl coming up on Saturday. That's where we're headed for Outkick the Tailgate. Saturday morning, 9 to 11, 10 to noon Eastern. Uh, we hope you'll join us then, and glad you're with us today across the Outkick Network. We've got primary complaint on today's show uh, and much, much more. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Boys, I said it yesterday that we we're going to cram a lot into a short week this week of content. A lot of content in this week. And Paul, some of that content that will not appear on this show is any talk of Thanksgiving side dishes, among other things. Side dish ratings, um, you know, uh, how you like your turkey, deep fried, baked, roasted, all of this nonsense. There's littering airwaves all over the place. Favorite pilgrim? <clears throat> exactly. I'm going to hear that either. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all of it. Well, none of it. We'll, we'll participate in none of it. You can participate in FanDuel.com slash OK360. A, a great offer at FanDuel for your Thanksgiving Day games and beyond. The max bonus is $150. 30 to 1 odds on the three games coming up on Thanksgiving Day. $5 wins you $150 on any of the three games. Chicago against Detroit. Vegas against Dallas, Buffalo and New Orleans, 30 to 1 odds. Deposit requires a $10 minimum deposit for new users. You sign up at fanduel.com slash OK360. Fanduel.com slash OK360. The offer is valid in all legal states where Fanduel operates. And Friday, new users can opt in for a free $50 bonus. Take advantage of the Thanksgiving offer from Fanduel. Fanduel.com slash OK360 or Fanduel.com slash Outkick. If we did talk food on this show, we'd go more, uh, it, it would be deeper. We'd say, why did the yam turn into the sweet potato? And we'd have. You're saying a, more informational? Yeah. Sort but of we're a not documentary doing that. We're not field. doing that either. I look at that offer from FanDuel, and what do I say all the time, Hutton? Why if, would you not do if this? If you're not doing it, why, why would you not do it? Also, who would I pick? As the outright winner, if I if I've been a FanDuel user for a long time, you would pick Dallas. But if I was a new user, would I? Yes. Okay. Dallas then Buffalo. I would. You would go, stay away from the. I would game. stay. I would stay away. I think that the line. I, I believe the Lions will break through I do on too. Thanksgiving Day. But you can't bet on You cannot bet on the Lions. I would. I would go Buffalo Dallas in that order. 
We'll preview the Thanksgiving Day games coming anyway, up in the show. Just a thought uh, that I had as I saw that great offer. College football playoff rankings announced earlier this week and plenty to discuss there. Cincinnati has cracked the top four. The Bearcats are currently in the college football playoff. The number one team, the Georgia Bulldogs. Ohio State jumps Alabama at number two. And there's Alabama at three, followed by Cincinnati. So here's the question. What could possibly happen between now and the end of this thing, provided that Cincinnati takes care of business against East Carolina and then Houston, to screw Cincinnati? I'm relieved yesterday, I think we all are, that they didn't screw Cincinnati. The Cincinnati gets its rightful spot at number four. But then I immediately think, if Cincinnati does its job, what could happen that they squeeze Cincinnati out? They didn't do it here. They've got a couple more opportunities. Can they and will they find a way to screw Cincinnati? Um, I mean, first off, I do think they'll be jumped. I don't think they'll be screwed. I think other teams will have a more deserving resume. Point blank. Um, the, the scenario for that to happen would be Alabama beating Georgia. Um, and no matter what happens there, both teams are in the college football playoff. Well, I'm presuming the three that are ahead of them stay ahead of them. Okay, and then let's presume that Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State this week and then wins the Big 12 championship. Simple as that. Or Notre Dame wins out. Who's Notre Dame have left? I think it's... hmm. I mean, if, if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State in Bedlam or vice versa... Either one of those teams will claim at that point a top 10 college football playoff ranking win. So that's going to be a better win. No, it's not. Because Cincinnati would still have the win over number five, Notre Dame, on the road, who's right behind them right now in the college football playoff ranking. Notre Dame is saving Cincinnati at this point because they've been very good since losing at home to Cincinnati. So I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Cincinnati's going to do the damn thing. I think they're going to be in. There's too much craziness that's going to happen. Uh, they, would have to, they would have to lose. Can Michigan beat Ohio State? If that's the case, Cincinnati's out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting then, on that one. But here's the thing. So if Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State is out. Michigan's in. Provided but, it beats Wisconsin. Michigan, but Ohio State's number two currently. That's big. Here's, the fact that they like jumped Alabama is big. Here's what would need to happen. Michigan beats Ohio State, giving them a second loss, bouncing them from the top four. Alabama beats Georgia, giving them one loss, putting Alabama and Georgia in. In that scenario, it would be a more than likely Georgia, Alabama, Michigan. And then Ohio State gets four? Ohio State would have the loss, would have two losses at that point. I mean, the, it's going to take – Notre Dame's not jumping them. That, that's the good news. Notre Dame is not going to jump them with a win over Stanford. But Notre Dame that's can all still they get left. in. Notre Dame can get in with a Georgia win in the SEC title game and a two-loss Big 12 champion. If Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, but you still have the Sooners win the championship, or if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State and the Cowboys are a two-loss Big 12 champion, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at every possible jigsaw puzzle that could have. I mean, I guess, yeah, Oklahoma State right now sitting at seven with two more wins over Oklahoma and in the Big 12 championship right. could go all the way from seven to four. Um, I, I don't know. Good I mean, I, I, look, I err on the side of Cincinnati's going to get screwed in this deal and moved out. But 
You're finding it hard to find it. You're going from seven because it's it's because of who's left, right? Michigan still has Ohio State. Well, Michigan's the most likely. Michigan would jump into the top four if they beat Ohio State. Yes. And win the Big Ten, no doubt about it. It's not going to happen because they're not going to beat Ohio State. But even if that happens, then Ohio State's that's Ohio State out and Cincinnati probably hanging on at four. I think Michigan and Ohio State would flip-flop. I think Michigan would go in that scenario as a Big Ten champ from six to two. Alabama would stay there at three, but then Alabama would have to beat Georgia to be in any way. So then, do you see what I'm getting yeah. at here? That then it's still this, this musical what chairs. The, what of, this is setting up for go. is a terrible college football playoff. Well, Georgia kills whoever's four, kills whether it's Cincinnati or somebody else. That's what sucks. If it is Cincinnati and they get killed, the people who didn't want Cincinnati are going to go. It sounds see, crazy. It sounds but anybody crazy, else but would get killed. Alabama too. can save the college football playoff this year by beating Georgia in Atlanta. Because both teams would be guaranteed in. Uh, in that scenario, Georgia would drop to four, and you would have Ohio State against Georgia in the first round Instead in the semifinals. The and you avoid, and then you have Alabama play Cincinnati, hypothetically. Yeah, I think. And you get the final. Let's go with, let's go with chalk, other than this is, uh, I feel like we're doing the blind resume test yeah. of NCAA basketball tournament teams. Um, let's go chalk here. Everything other than Bama upsetting Georgia, which is, what, a four-and-a-half-point line right now for the SEC championship? It's not much. It's, so That's the way it opened. Ohio State beats Michigan. Ohio State goes on to win the Big Ten. Alabama upsets Georgia. I do think in that scenario, Alabama would jump to number one or two. Ohio State would probably be one because they're sitting there at two right now, beating Michigan, a top-six team, and then winning the Big Ten. So then I think Alabama goes from three to two, I think Hutton's right in that Georgia, just because of the proximity to a loss, which is always weird to me, because they'll have the one loss in the SEC championship, would go from one to four. And then in that scenario, would Cincinnati? Oh, gosh. I don't know. But we're thinking I, that. Th- this, is, this is what I think, Hutton, what you're getting at and what I agree with. There's only two teams that can beat Georgia. I, I firmly right. believe Ohio this. State. It's Ohio State or Alabama. So you want a two-three slot... Yes. For those teams, so and they a both one, Georgia. a one or four slot for Georgia, mm-hmm. whoever's number one. So then you get a national championship game. That's here's here's what you want. You for, want Georgia to play both those. If you teams, want the two ideally. most talented best teams in the country, in the end, you want Georgia versus Alabama or Georgia versus Ohio State. That's it. And you'd yeah, like them I, to play both of those teams. Well, and the reason why I would drop them to four is I think the committee would not want the immediate rematch in the college football semifinal. If you drop them to three, then they're playing Alabama automatically. Um, yeah, right on top. Play. Ohio State would be the number one team. Alabama would not move to one. You don't want Georgia Bama back to back. No, I don't think the committee does either. Yeah, nobody does. If it's going to be a rematch, it'll be a rematch like 2000, what was it, 15, uh, 17, when but, they played well, in here. If, if things hold right now, the two best teams are Georgia, Ohio State, well, which is what they want for the final. So you would get Alabama, Georgia. Not if they back. lose, you can't do it that way. I think you were set up for, look, I, I want Cincinnati in. I think they deserve the chance to compete. I think they're going to get beaten badly, yeah. probably. Yes. But here's, uh, you could still have the scenario with a great championship game, but that semifinal scenario of let's let's go with chalk again. Georgia beats Alabama. Ohio State beats, beats Michigan. Georgia's your SEC champ. Ohio State's your Big Ten champ. Cincinnati, kills Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins. Notre Dame wins. Okay? Georgia won. Ohio State two. Cincinnati three. Intriguing intrastate game between Ohio State and Cincinnati in the semi. Ohio State probably blows them out. 
Notre Dame gets blown out by Georgia in the one versus four. Then we have potentially a good championship game. Correct. Potentially. Correct. Yeah, but the semifinals worst, stink. And worst, that's New case scenario, worst case scenario is Georgia wins the SEC title and you have a two-loss Big 12 champion. Because then I believe the top four would be Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. And that is, that's terrible. The semifinal games are terrible. And last time it was on New Year's Eve, it was kind of, I remember the games not being very good, and that was the first time it was on New Year's Eve, and that was kind of a dumb Oh, and I should add, the semifinal games are normal normal trash anyway. I mean, I'm just looking out for what's what's in the best interest of the semifinal matchups. And now they're on New Year's Eve again, and last year New Year's Eve was a complete, I'm not like going out for New Year's Eve. or not, if Ohio State's playing Georgia in the semis, Everyone's watching oh, that yeah. game. That's a great game. That's but, a great semi, but I still think it, there's no way to avoid, to me, right now, count. at least one awful semi matchup. Yeah. I mean, every way you look at it. And that's every year. There's going to be at least one dud. I think it's ultimately about getting to a great national championship matchup. And I, I think if we're looking at what's the best national, it's either Georgia, Alabama, or Georgia, Ohio State. See, that's the yeah. case. And I don't anybody- think Georgia, Alabama is a possibility. Because of the SEC championship That's game the happened. case anybody would make for the idea that four is enough for a playoff. Look, we can't even get three good games out of a four-team playoff. I would say go 12, and you get a lot better games, and maybe you get a dud in a semifinal. That's fine. But along the way, you're going to get a bunch of better games. If you want to fuel the everyone tries to help Alabama argument, watch Alabama lose by a last-second field goal to Georgia in the SEC championship, and for them to come back and say – that's still better than anything Cincinnati could do undefeated. Alabama remains in. What if Alabama lost and didn't drop because they lost on a last-second field goal in a tight game to the team that had not had a close game all year? Well, they would drop to four. I think they would be hopscotched by Cincy. Cincy would get three. But then, Hutton, they would be Georgia-Alabama in a rematch, which they want to avoid. I think they would want – well, unless you put – I'm saying then they would drop to four. Unless you put Ohio State one. Yeah, just manipulate it for the sake of the the, the semifinal matchups. I mean, again, like can, that's can, what I would say. Screw, screw who's really work. number one. Just set it up to get the games right. This is what, in my opinion, this is what is right right now. These four in that in order, order is right, unless somebody messes it up with a big upset. The real test is going to be when we get to decision time, right. the judgment day for this, how things are maneuvered, we'll and the rationale they give up. to that maneuvering. Trey Wallace will join us. We're going to preview a lot of the football this weekend. One thing we can predict, there's still going to be a lot of craziness. This has been a very up-and-down, bizarre college football season where you have one elite team in Georgia, but then you look at their resume and you think, okay, where's Georgia's best win? And many think it's coming next weekend against Alabama. But beyond that, how does the college football playoff situation shape up at a lot to be determined this weekend and then championship weekend. We'll get into that with Trey Wallace coming up. Egg Bowl as well. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and what should be a really great game uh, for Thanksgiving Day. Arkansas, Missouri playing on Friday in their typical rivalry matchup. We'll hit Saturday's games as well, including the Iron Bowl. All straight ahead on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com is the website. Uh, the supplements that help kick, keep Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. 
You see VitaLifeScience.com. That's where you can see more information. Our OutKick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. Most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down into those little left to your benefit. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I personally use vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, simple, single-use packets. You can grab and go in the mornings and keep them with you throughout the day. Aurora supplements also help you if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol or beyond. VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Coming up, primary complaint in 25 minutes. I'll kick 360 from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine behind us. The distillery and brewery right here on site in downtown Nashville. We say hello to Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. Both he and Glenn Gilbo have done excellent work at the site covering the college coaching openings, uh, specifically at LSU and Florida. Trey, happy Thanksgiving to you, man. And and let's start with those openings. Give us the very latest. Let's start with the Florida Gators. What can you tell us? Hey guys, hope y'all are well. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody uh, there in the studio. But uh, yeah, it's it's coaching search season, and things are picking up a little bit in Florida right before the Thanksgiving break here. And, and in Baton Rouge, um, I think they're playing a little bit of catch up. And and I, I think. Overall, I guess we could start, you know, with with LSU here and, and Scott Woodard, you know, swinging, trying to swing for the fences when it comes to this job. Um, the the biggest factor, I think, in, in both of these is the name Billy Napier that's been thrown out for both squads. Um, I don't think LSU has had as much contact as people think with, with Billy Napier. Now, with Florida, that's a different subject because Florida reached out to Billy Napier quietly uh, the the Sunday after they had lost to South Carolina. So those conversations have been going on for a while now. Um, when you look at LSU and their part and what they're trying to do, I think overall they were trying to go big with Lincoln Riley and hoping that that he would be the guy um, that would you know make that switch before Oklahoma joined the conference you know in, in two years if it's even that long. But I think we're getting down to that point where, you know, LSU's looking around at guys like Dave Aranda, um, who, you know, I've been told is is also floated his name for the USC job um, and even the Washington job to get back on the West Coast. Um, so you, you look around it right now, I think things are kind of going to calm down over the next two days. Um, and then once, you know, once we get past these, these weekend games, uh, especially potentially the Egg Bowl, uh, which is coming up tomorrow and others, I think things are going to start riling up again when it comes to this coaching search. Trey, I'm not here to make an argument for Dan Mullen and, and what happened over the course of this season and whatever's going on behind the scenes at Florida. But I will say it's a little bit surprising to me that Florida fires Dan Mullen to be an active pursuit of Billy Napier. Fire Dan Mullen, who won 21 games in his first two years, was in Atlanta last season as the SEC's champion after beating Georgia, I know things got bad this year, but you fired Dan Mullen at Florida to go hire Mario Cristobal. You fired Dan Mullen to go hire Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Firing Dan Mullen to go hire Billy Napier? 
and all this talk of LSU getting a big name and now they may be in a bidding war for Billy Napier just sounds odd to me. Am I, am I off on that? No, Chad, you're not off. I, I agree with you. Look, and, and here's the thing a lot of people are not talking about, too. The Southeastern Conference is about to switch up when it comes to TV contract deals. So they're about to add a lot more money to their pockets in the next two years when they get out of this horrible deal that they have had with CBS for so long. So you're going to be you're going to be adding anywhere between 30 to 40 million dollars to your pockets, you know, once this deal starts going through. So you've got money to play with here and you've got money to play with right now that you know is going to be coming your way in, in let's say two to three years and you can go ahead and make that big hire look this is florida and this is lsu we're talking about and, and we'll we'll stay with florida here you're not hiring a coach like dan mullen who you had to pry away from mississippi state in my opinion you shouldn't and then go out and hire the coach from louisiana lafayette um to me and i know that he has had success at louisiana lafayette but to me, the comparisons I keep getting from people in the industry when talking about that job is if Alabama went out and hired the, the coach at South Alabama and if he was on a hot street. That's what it kind of feels like to some people in Baton Rouge and then some folks down in Gainesville. So you And, and I get what conference is in. I get what he has done. But to me, if, if you're going to go big, in this conference, and you're setting yourself up for the future. By the way, in two years, we're going to be going to pods, potentially. Um, you're, you're adding two more teams in Texas and Oklahoma. I wrote about this. This is the new SEC that you are preparing for. So I don't know. I don't understand why not go big first. Why not call Mario up in Oregon? I know Mario Cristobal is interested. In in, in 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 getting back down to the state of Florida. He he would like it, you know, but it's all about what Phil Knight can come back with at Oregon. So it's not something that is completely out of mind for him. Um, I think they did a good job at first of, of putting James Franklin's name out there, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's got an $85 million deal with Penn State. I think that was already in the works, but it's always good to have your name put out there for some of these jobs. And when it comes down to it, Jad, I, you know, for a guy like Lane Kiffin, I think Kiffin would be really good at Florida, but I also think he'd be better at Miami. And I think the circumstances would be better at Miami for Lane Kiffin. So when you look at the Gators job right now, you, you got to start swinging big here. I, I don't like coming out of the gate and going straight after Billy, but you know what? This is what they started to do two weeks ago, so it's not surprising that we're sitting here right now and Scott Strickland's making these calls. I, I want to test how well you speak Scott Strickland. Dan okay. did a really good job in a lot of areas, but what we are seeing this year is symptomatic of other problems. What the hell does that mean? It means they got some lazy recruiters on that staff down there that have not put in the work that it needs to be in the Southeastern Conference to be relevant and to be big. Um, you've seen Georgia just run right by Florida when it comes to recruiting, just sped on right past them and didn't look back. Um, you look at some of the staffers at Florida and, and the way things are run, and I'm not – what I'm kind of getting at is it's it's kind of a lax feel around Gainesville. Um, it's not uncommon for old Dan Mullen, you know, take himself a nice vacation during certain periods of time that maybe the school needs him on campus. Um he hasn't been able to go on the road and recruit, but that's not an excuse for 
the lack of commitments or the lack of big players that they're getting in there. It's funny that Florida gets a four-star recruit, Paul, two days after they fired Dan Mullen. So I look at this situation, and I think the stuff that, that's going on behind the scenes, I think some of it had to do with that NCAA mess that went on. Um, but also I think a lot of it has to do with how he approached recruiting at Florida and, and relying on different people and it being sort of lax around there. And I, and I think people – I think if you hook Scott Strickland up to a lie detector test or you gave him some truth serum, he'd say those same exact things. So Florida, Florida State. Let's stay with Florida yeah. and now go to the game this weekend. Obviously, it doesn't matter all that much to Florida at this point with, with no coach. How much does it matter to Mike Norvell, who started 0-4 and has a chance to get bowl eligible to finish 6-2 and and beat the in-state rival? I mean, what a, what a big win they had last weekend. And then, you you know, I'm not talking about nationally, but it was a big win overall to get where you're at now where you can travel into Gainesville. Their season's already been ruined, and you can go in there and become bowl eligible in front of them all. I mean, I, I think it's big for what Florida State has done. I think it's big for Mike Norvell. From the way things started, you know, after, I mean, after that Jacksonville loss that they had and, and, and the way that we were looking at the program uh, – from afar to where they're at right now and, and finding a quarterback that can move around and, and, and make some plays. I think this Seminole team, I think they're going to go into games. I think they're going to win the game. And I think they'll become bowl eligible. And I think Florida season is going to end on Saturday. Um, and, and, and it's a really nice turnaround for what he was doing. Because let's be honest, we were all talking after that Jacksonville game. We didn't know if Mike Norvell would make the season by either – them saying, okay, we messed up here, or him deciding to move on. So I look at this Florida State game this weekend. It's very big for them. I don't really think it's that big besides the seniors, you know, in the program in, in Gainesville. Trey Wallace with us from outkick.com. Uh, Egg Bowl coming up 6.30 tomorrow, Trey. Uh, tell us your thoughts on Ole Miss, who can finish 10-2 and two with a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Meanwhile, Mississippi State is the favorite, and Will Rogers is the best quarterback in the SEC right now. Isn't it crazy about Will Rogers? I mean, that kid, you know, Mike Leach is like, all right, kid, go out there and sling it, yeah. and, he, and he does. I mean, he's averaging over 40 attempts per game. Um, he, he's gotten up to the 57 mark this season. I mean, look, they're, that's what they do on offense. They're going to let Will Rogers go out there, and they're going to throw it around, and they're going to beat secondaries, and – you know, they're not going to have to run the ball much. And and you look at Ole Miss's defense and their secondary, this opens up for a really, really good opportunity for Mike Leach to air out the ball this weekend. You know, I I look at the quarterbacks. They're two different kind of quarterbacks. You know, Will Rogers is not that guy that's going to scramble around like Matt Corral does. So I think that's what could get Ole Miss into trouble. You know, Matt Corral has been kind of banged up anyway. So you look at this matchup this weekend, I kind of understand why Mississippi State – is favored. I know where Ole Miss is ranked, but I, I somewhat get it. You're around that pick em status, and you get that two-and-a-half-point bump right there. This kind of feels like a game where where Mississippi State knocks off Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. It, 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 you just, with them playing at home and them being on turkey night and everything that goes into this, and also I don't know how healthy Matt Corral is. And we've seen this Ole Miss defense kind of take a step back over the last number of weeks. You look what Vanderbilt did at the quarterback spot running the football last weekend. You know, what do you what do you think Will Rogers is going to do passing the football on that defense? So 
I like the way the line is right now, and I could see State pulling off what? I think this would be their fourth top 25 win of the season if they can do it. Um, and if not, if, if Lane Kiffin and them go in there and, and handle business, win by field goal, whatever, uh, they're going to be in the New Year's Six Bowl come January. Tennessee and Vanderbilt this weekend, um, looking at the, the, these two teams, but looking at the history also, it was a Josh Heupel offensive-coordinated Missouri team that ended Butch Jones's career at Tennessee in a 50-17 to win for Missouri. Butch was fired the next day. There are seven Tennessee players that were on that team in 2017 that played for Butch, uh, that played for Jeremy Pruitt, obviously, and now played for Josh Heupel. And seeing the end of that cycle that ends in success this year for Tennessee, and we talked about this earlier in the season, those that stayed at Vanderbilt with everything going on should be commended for that also. They didn't get the reward at the end of that in year one under Clark Lee, but Trey, you know this is now Vanderbilt's Super Bowl in this game. This is a chance to write everything this season. Tennessee season is, is a success no matter what, but it's all now about avoiding disaster at the end of the season if you're Tennessee. They're a bigger favorite in this game than they were against South Alabama. What do you make of all of this? Says something about my Jaguars, huh? No, um, no. But, Powerhouse. No, yeah, no kidding, right? You look at, look. Clark Lee is not going to hold anything back this weekend in Knoxville. I mean, there's going to be trick plays. Um, They are going to test Tennessee deep. They're going to run their quarterback and Mike Wright if they have to. Um, This is, you know, Tennessee's not the deepest when it comes to defense. I mean, look, I'm not saying Vanderbilt's going to come in here and and win this game, but I am saying there's, there's an opportunity for Vanderbilt to scare Tennessee here. And you talked about it with the, with the players that are still here, Jaquan Barkley has been here since 2016. And Matthew Butler, a guy that's been here since 2017. These guys have been through the ringer, and they have been through some coaches, uh, whether that be position coaches, uh, whether that be head coaches. So the fact that they get to go out the way that they do with, you know, they're going to go to a bowl game. Um, it's all going to depend on, I think, Kentucky-Louisville to which bowl game Tennessee goes to. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But you look at the way Tennessee can end this thing with, with Hendon Hooker and guys that came into the program too when things are going south, like Valus Jones, who's come in and been very good for what Tennessee's trying to do on offense. And, you know, so overall, the the seven to eight players that have been through everything there to walk through that tee or run through that tee um, on Saturday, it's big for them. And it's a nice way to go out. It's a it's a nice way. If they wouldn't have made a bowl game, I'd have felt pretty bad for them, especially everything they've gone through. But this team continues to play the better, play better. Josh Heupel's been able to rely on these group of super seniors, however you want to put it, guys that have been in the program for so long. And I think it's paid off. And you've seen that on the field this season, and especially in the locker room. So I I, I think it could be an interesting game at first, just because Clark Lee's not going to hold anything back. But I think this is such a big day for Tennessee. I think that they get to that seven-win mark, and then it's lining up pretty nice for them to maybe playing in the state of Florida when it comes to bowl season. I think some really interesting night games uh, in the SEC all week, starting tomorrow on Thanksgiving, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Friday late afternoon, early evening, Missouri, Arkansas. You've got uh, Texas A&M, LSU, Clemson, South Carolina. But you mentioned Kentucky and Louisville on Saturday night. I was surprised to see Louisville a three-point favorite in this game. Trey, that shows me that Vegas doesn't think that Kentucky's a very good football team. 
even though they're no, sitting there at eight and three in the SEC. I mean, yeah, but right, and and I agree. Look at the last two opponents they've beaten. They've beaten Vanderbilt and they've beaten New Mexico State. Uh, before that, they were on a three-game losing streak. So, really, how much attention do you pay to the wins over Vanderbilt, New Mexico State? I think that's kind of where Vegas is at right now. You saw what Malik Cunningham can do, the quarterback for Louisville, was running the ball all over Duke. Um, and this is an opportunity for Louisville to finish their season strong. I, I look at Kentucky, and and you know they they did they they went on that that three game losing streak. They weren't playing that good of football. I know the Tennessee game was close, but it was it was the way that Mark Stoops had his team playing on offense that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, and you and you look overall this Kentucky football program right now. They Mark Stoops would love to win on Saturday because if he does, that's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus. You know, in his wallet immediately for week reaching nine wins. But you look at this Kentucky team overall, I think they've kind of flatlined, to be honest with you, um, compared to how they started. And, and you look at Louisville, who's playing a heck of a lot better, got nothing to lose, sold out crowd Saturday night, 730. Um, I, I think this is an opportunity for Louisville to pull off an upset. And if they do, that's going to change things up when it comes to bowl scenarios for teams like Tennessee, because I've in talking with folks, you know, my impression is if, if Kentucky had won, win Saturday night, Tennessee's probably going to Charlotte or Nashville. Um, but if Kentucky loses Saturday night, that could set up pretty nice for Tennessee either to be in Tampa or Jacksonville come bowl season, and that's a heck of a lot better than playing in the cold in Charlotte or Nashville. You always go warm in bowl season if you get the chance. You always always go to the warm weather spots for sure. Uh, it's not going to be uh, – actually, it's going to be 60 degrees uh, in Columbia, South Carolina on, on Saturday night. I'm surprised to be that okay. warm, but South Carolina, Clemson, I think Clemson destroys South Carolina Saturday night. This may be a, a dissenting opinion from SEC fans, but I think it's fool's gold to think that South Carolina is going to do something else magical this season. Clemson an 11.5-point favorite in this game. It's been fun to watch South Carolina, though. These South Carolina's won four straight games at home. Um, and in that process, they've beaten Florida and they've beaten Auburn. And I, I get where those two teams are at, I understand it. But Auburn still had Tank Bigsby, who ran for 180-some-odd yards on South Carolina. Um, so they beat a decent opponent. Um, I, I, I Look... I would like to see this matchup close. I really would. I don't know how much more magic Shane Beamer has up his sleeve. Um, they just announced it just a second ago. It's going to be a sold-out crowd Saturday night, so Gamecock fans are into it. And why wouldn't they be if they won four straight at home coming off last week's win against Auburn? Um, but, I, but I think that you saw what Clemson did to, to Wake Forest and the way that their offense has kind of woken up a little bit, kind of risen from the dead when it comes to what we have seen earlier in the season, I don't know how South Carolina stops that. And and, and 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 I don't know if quarterback Jason Brown for South Carolina is good enough to keep them in any kind of shootout. So when I look at this game, I think Clemson, you know, should cover the spread. But, man, we've seen some wacky stuff out of South Carolina. I mean, they were a crazy play away in Columbia, Missouri, and they could be on a, a four-game winning streak right now. So, We'll see. It's going to be a fun atmosphere and a fun game, um, hopefully, for at least a, a half. But I think in the end, Clemson takes care of business. But you know what? Shane Beamer is bowl eligible. His guys will be playing somewhere uh, in the month of December. So you you tip your cap to him, especially in his first year. Trey, finally, Iron Bowl, where Auburn is limping into this matchup. Meanwhile, Alabama 
and Bryce Young comes into this game. He he has the best touchdown to interception ratio of any quarterback that has passed for three thousand yards or more in the Saban era. What are you expecting on Saturday, Jonathan? I don't trust Alabama's defense right now. Like I I, I trust their defensive line. Let me let me yeah. rephrase. I trust their defensive line. But I don't trust what they're doing at linebacker right now, and I really don't trust what they're doing in the secondary. Too many busted coverages last weekend. Um, too many missed gaps from their linebackers when they're against Arkansas. Um, and, and and I'm not saying Auburn's going to take advantage of that. I think Auburn will have the ability to run the football a little bit with Tank Bigsby. I don't think Alabama completely shuts them down. Um, but we're seeing a different Alabama team this this year. You know, the defense is not as stout. The defense is not uh, as poignant at getting to certain spots on the field that we've seen in the past. And you've seen Nick Saban get agitated and talk about it, you know, after these games. And, you know, Auburn's best chance of, of keeping this thing close in any way is trying to test them deep and throw the ball down the field with T.J. Finley. We know he's got an arm. He can do it. Um, you know, if they can somewhat establish maybe a running game, Jonathan, we potentially see this game get into the early fourth quarter with a two-touchdown two type of game. Yeah. But I just feel like Alabama is good enough on offense that they can make up for whatever whatever mess their defense is going through. So if, if they can get through this game healthy, and that's the main objective, it should be the main objective for Georgia against Georgia Tech, um, we'll see how next week plays out. But, guys, look. I'm from the state of Alabama. This game, you throw out the records, it doesn't matter. But I think this year it it kind of does. I think Alabama settles down to Auburn a little bit. They get ready to go play Georgia next week. Um, who, by the way, I think Georgia could win by 14 to 17 points until they played Alabama on Saturday. Trey, appreciate you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We'll be re- reading all the work at Outkick.com that you and Glenn are doing for the conference. Enjoy. Absolutely. Enjoy. Thank you guys for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, keep an eye out on what we're doing at Outkick. Uh, should have some coaching news coming out in the next two to three days. So thanks Sounds for like having it's me coming on, in right now. Awesome. We'll, we'll be watching. Thank you got you, a phone brother. call coming in right now, Trey. It's Billy Napier on right. line two. All right, pick it there up. There we go, boys. Landline <laughs> only. <laughs> yes. Landline only. Uh, when you're traveling to a destination where you don't know the language, it can be challenging to accomplish even the simplest of tasks. There's Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. Through Babbel's bite-sized lessons, you're going to learn new language skills you can actually use in the real world. From greetings, menus, and directions, gaining a deeper understanding of the culture, Babbel is a travel essential chat. Let's Babbel. And Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. But Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, my pick, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Go to Babbel.com. Use the promo code OUTKICK360. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Code OUTKICK360. Babbel, language for life. OutKick360 rolls on from downtown Nashville. And, you know, there's that special Thursday in November every year where we give thanks. Every Wednesday... We are our top grievance of the week. It is time for primary complaints. Guys, I'll kick it off with a couple of well-known names across the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady, 
who recently aired his grievance about the NFL's 17th game. Devin McCourty last week on Thursday Night Football aired his grievance about uh, teams having to play on Sunday and then playing again on Thursday. And I'm sure that both are not easy to do on the body. Uh, But here's the unfortunate truth to Tom Brady and Devin McCourty and every NFL player. The truth is your union isn't strong. And you guys do more talking after the vote for the CBA than you do before the vote of the CBA. If you want to change this, actually vote against these things as a collective group instead of airing these complaints through the media a couple of years after the vote has already passed. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint is about uh, relevance and how we argue about relevance. When you argue that a college football program is not relevant and you are screaming from the mountaintops about how said program is no longer relevant, you are in fact arguing for their relevance because now that they're not relevant is something that's relevant, which means that that program is relevant. So when your argument is about relevance and, oh, it doesn't matter because this program is not relevant anymore, you are in fact saying the program is relevant and probably will be relevant again That is my primary complaint. So as we enter this weekend, the second most wonderful weekend of the year, I feel it's a proper time to remind everyone of the words of one of our great philosophers ever, that's Louis Grizzard, who said, (laughs) anyone who puts sugar in their cornbread is a heathen and doesn't love the Lord nor SEC football. Look, if you're a Southerner and you're putting sugar in your cornbread, you should be stripped of your accent, tarred and feathered and excommunicated to some land where everyone talks like Paul Koharski. My ex-mother-in-law put sugar in her cornbread. That was not the main reason for the divorce, but I did make sure that that was entered into the official court records right below the part about her daughter being a serial adulteress. That's my primary complaint. The the part about the cornbread, not the divorce. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. My primary complaint is uh, Tom Pelissero of uh, NFL.com, NFL Network. He puts out an annual list of the uh, young NFL coaches to watch. These are guys who are going to become head coaches in the league someday. He had 13 guys in the big write-up, and then he had 57 other guys. This list is 70 people. What's your hit rate going to be when there are 32 jobs in the league Six or seven come open in a year, and you list 70 guys. You've got pretty good odds there for starters. Secondly, I mean, you're listing people that include Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator of the Texans, and uh, who else here? I mean, he's got some low-ranking guys. He's got uh, Mike LaFleur. Who's, the, the shine is off his star a little bit when he's coordinating the Jets. The other thing is, People aren't taking this to heart. This is a two-pronged list. This is a list of coaches who have a chance to become head coaches in the league someday. And it's a list of good sources who he wants to shine up. Say, hey, I'll put this guy on my list of potential head coaches in the league down the line because he's been doing me favors. And I'm going to do him a favor. I'm going to shine his apple. (laughs) That is 70 guys some of whom are coordinating terrible teams right now. Let's, let's at least say what it is for real. Paul, I feel like you should uh, develop some sources that you can plug them for jobs to <laughs> coaching. I, I, I some of this sounds a little bit like jealousy. Like, I, man, these guys have some really good relationships well, with coaches. I didn't look back to see if he's the same person that said that the Garrett was an excellent coaching candidate for the Chargers job. 
Otherwise, I really would have come with the two. Was that him? I don't. I don't. I think it was someone else. You said the name of the person that you went after. It was. I I didn't remember. It was. It was a beat writer for someone. No, it was one of the NFL.com guys. I just don't remember which one, and I. I have failed to go back and check. It was one of them. But listen, if somebody's putting out a list of 70 people, and I say this because I've seen lists like this in the past include, say, uh, GMs of the future, include, say, Lake Dawson. Lake Dawson was Rustin Webster's right-hand man for the Titans, and Lake Dawson was terrible. Not a future GM. He's a future former assistant. In 25 minutes, Armando Salguero joins us. We will preview all things NFL for the upcoming weekend and the Thanksgiving Day games. But when we come back, we talk Iron Bowl with former Alabama running back Kenneth Darby next on OutKick 360.